0: Love, talk Radio.
1: Welcome to episode number thirty-five of Thyroid Nation Radio Live Talk Show and Podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com,
2: and I'm Tiffany Maladnič of GratefulGarden.biz.
1: Today we are talking with the amazing, beautiful, and wonderfully informative thyroid advocates, Raina Kranz Kaplan certified personal trainer and founder of the fabulous Facebook group Thyroid Healing Journey and ThyroidTrainer.com, and we are also talking with Kimberly Andrews, and she is an integrative health coach and certified thyroid health coach. She is currently enrolled in the practitioner training at the Hashimoto's Institute with Isabella, Dr. Christensen, and Andrea, 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 we say it different here in Costa Rica, Nakayama. (laughs) So that's very so cool. Is, we have we have that's very we cool. have Andrea or Andrea. We have her on um, coming in December. So we will have all three of those have been on our show. So that's very cool.
2: That's very cool, and that must be a very very cool uh, program. We are so so very excited to talk with them. But first, just a few things. If you tuned in last week, which we of course hope you did, you heard us chatting with the absolutely funny, beautiful, talented, down to earth actress, and thyroid advocate, Gianna Lee Nolan. I thoroughly enjoyed that. She's the founder of Facebook group Thyroid Sexy and author of Beautiful Inside and Out, Conquering Thyroid Disease with a Healthy, Happy Thyroid Sexy Life. And if you're in Arizona, Dana, help me, Scottsdale, right? November November 15th, I
1: believe. Okay, I don't know. Oh, 7th? But
2: she's doing a book oh, signing. Oh and. <laughs> <laughs> And her doc is going to be there, and what an awesome, awesome opportunity! And they're going to do q and A, a, a Q&A. so very, very cool. You can check out Thyroid Nation for that meme. Dana's going to post it right again <laughs> because
1: we just. I up. am going to post it again, but I have it. I have it here in front of me, and it's, it's actually going to be a book signing with her and her doctor, who was on the show with us last week, Dr. Lisa Maturo, who was who was fabulous. She was really, really fabulous. good, and it is. Um, yeah, it was. It was a really neat. It was a really neat show. I actually loved it, and she made me cry. You know, you know, made me cry. She didn't mean to. She felt so bad, but it was a really, really interesting show. And and she was hilarious. She was absolutely hilarious. She she had us cracking up the whole time. So, not, either one of us, uh, neither one of us got it right. It's Thursday, November twelfth, <laughs> at seven p.m. Barnes and Noble. Scottsdale, Arizona. So it's going to be Gina Lee Nolan and uh, thyroid expert Dr. Lisa Matura, which is uh, Gina's doctor. So that's very, very, very neat. And uh, if you're close by, you need to check it out and take pics.
2: Yes, absolutely. All right, so if you missed them, if you missed her on Thyroid Nation Radio, uh, you can always catch it in the Thyroid Nation Radio archives, as well as other guests that we've interviewed, Dr. Holtorf, hypothyroid mom, Mary Showman. Uh, Susie Cohen, Isabella Wentz, so many amazing guests and so much information there and very, very uh, unique and different information there.
1: Yeah, that's so true. And make sure to also check out the lineup of wonderful and innovative guests we have scheduled that are coming on the show coming up. Upcoming guests on the Thyroid Nation radio page, uh, including Dr. Jill Carnahan, Dr. Tom O'Brien, Shannon Garrett, who's part of the radio, uh, radio team, she'll she'll be on, as well as Andrea Nakayama, part of the Hashimoto Institute. So we got lots of great guests. And then we were, we're already scheduling into 2016, so you can see some of the, the guests that we have coming up on the Thyroid Nation uh, radio page.
2: So, so very exciting. All right, Dana, I think they're both with us, so let's get this Thyroid Nation thriving.
1: Hello. Let's do it. Hi, ladies.
2: Hi. Hi. They're here. If someone has
1: the If you guys have the computer on with the um, the show in the background, it will it will cause some feedback. So you just need to be like on the phone. You can't be listening to the show either for some reason. Are either one of you guys on the computer? No. I'm on my computer. No, okay, on you're not. Not. okay, you're not. No. Okay. Hi. Hi. Hi.
2: <laughs> Happy Sunday. So excited this this subject matter is so important. And so we let's get right into it. I know you guys have a plan so we're gonna zip it.
1: <laughs> yeah, we are. But I do I do want to um before we start uh on to the topic, we I just want to, you know, you guys to introduce yourself and let everybody know a little bit about you and also your thyroid journey story, what brought you here. So if um I guess Raina, will you go ahead and start?
0: Okay. Um well some of you are already most of you are already familiar with me. Um I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and hypothyroid back in August of 2012, and uh, I probably had it a lot longer, as most everybody has, but um, I've been struggling with it, and fighting with it, and loving it, and embracing it, and beating it up, <laughs> depending on, you know, what's going on in my life, but that's been my life for the last three and a half years. Um I've been a personal trainer and a sports nutritionist for the last thirty years, so it's been very interesting to have this disease and do what I do for a living and uh, Then I found myself on Facebook and somehow fell into managing a thyroid support page and that's where I met Kimberly, my uh partner in crime today. <laughs> Yeah. Hi,
1: Kimberly. How are
0: you? I'm good. I'm really honored to be here today and so excited to be a part of this. And I admire what you guys do and uh, all the wonderful guests that you have on. So thank you for inviting me to join you.
1: Well, absolutely. We're really glad to have you. But I do want to know, I know that I just shared your thyroid driver story, and it was a very, very uh, powerful story. And for those of you that didn't didn't read it, you need to check it out on the Thyroid Nation Radio page because it is terribly moving and a wonderful story. And to have her with us today is just really really incredible. But I do want you to share a little bit about your background and um, you know how your thyroid journey started. I think it started when you were young. Is that correct? As
0: best as I can tell, I I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism 20 years ago in 1995, and that was after the pregnancy with my fourth son where I gained 103 pounds and kept telling the doctors something was wrong with me. And they looked at me like, yeah, right, sweetie. You know, we know you're eating ding-dongs in the closet at night when no one's looking. <laughs> I uh, I finally got the diagnosis of hypothyroidism. I was probably um, had Hashimoto's at the time, but they I don't know if they even really diagnosed it 20 years ago. So I was given a pill and sent away. Um, I have a lot of things in my background clear back to the time that I was two years old that could very well be my root cause. And I worked so hard at trying to figure out what my root cause was, and I found so many things, um, as you'll you'll see if you read my Thriver story, that I finally just gave up. I decided it didn't really matter what my root cause was, that I needed to embrace the fact that I had this condition and just move forward and figure out the best way to heal it. Um, I had a little bit of a foot up. As uh, you guys heard, I have a degree in dietetics and nutrition, so once I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, I sort of hit the ground running and uh, really did a lot of research for myself and was able to uh, get myself started on diet and lifestyle changes that have, as a result, put my Hashimoto's in remission. I've been in remission now since February, and I'll tell you, it's a wonderful place to be, but it's still a never-ending medical condition you know I still get my regular blood tests I still have to manage my diet and lifestyle behaviors and it's just a part of my life it's the way things are but uh, like Raina said I've really embraced it too I don't feel I don't feel a bit sad that I have this medical condition you don't feel like a victim no I do not at all
1: um you know, and and you talked about your root cause, and I think that's very important. And I just want to I just want to go back to that for a second, um, because you said you know you kind of just gave up on on trying to figure it out, and I think that's I think that's a really good uh, aspect and to to look at and to cover because you know we we all talk about what is your root cause, what is your root cause. We had Isabel on; she's got the fabulous book, you know, um, finding your root cause, and and all of that. And I think it is important to to try to find your root cause and dig at it. But basically, I think what Isabella's message is, is to to keep looking, not just to take things at face value. You know, you've got this thing, so you take some pills, and that's it. You keep digging and digging until you can find, you know, uh, ways to, to make you, your life better. And for I know for Kimberly, you know, in your story, which is a really great story, I, I included it um, on the show notes. So if anybody can see those, you can, you can click on it. It'll take you to the link. But you had lots of things that could have been your root cause, and there really is no way to tell which, you know, which has caused what. There's just no way based on based on your history. You know, there's a lot of things that you went through in your life, and, you know, there's no way to say this was it or that was it. And so if that's the case, you know, just like, just like Kimberly said, you know, moving forward, knowing that you have a root cause and um, not letting it take over your life and just moving forward, I think that's so important.
0: Yeah, it that's is. exactly where. it's not that I don't believe that a root cause is important. I think it is. And any time that anybody right. has any kind of medical issue, I encourage people to look for the root cause of that and treat at the root cause versus just treating the symptoms. Um, but like you said, with in my case, there were so many things that could be the root cause or maybe right. all of them together compiled is what made the root cause, that addressing all of those things and making sure that I took care of the nutrient deficiencies and the medical issues they created became more important to me than putting a number one by something and saying this is exactly my root cause.
2: And like you said, oftentimes there's more than one. You know, it's not like you have Mm -hmm. one and that's a single, you know, one and done. You have multiple factors. So, yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Well, Kimberly's going to start um,
0: off this whole thing about leptin, and um, hopefully we'll be able to address um, a lot of the myths and misconceptions about how this all happens, how it occurs, what you can do to reverse it, and so on and so forth. So um, Kimberly's going to start us off. Yeah, Kimberly, why don't you...
1: Why don't you? Um, why don't you go ahead and you know we are going to talk about leptin resistance and exercise and and fitness and and how to manage some things. But um, since we are going to start off with you, Kimberly, why don't you tell um, everybody who's listening a little bit about what what is leptin resistance and what is leptin and how it how it applies and what is it?
0: I think that's a great place to start. So. This may be a word that people have thrown around a little bit, um, but probably not as often as it should be, and hopefully by the time you're done listening to Raina and I today, you'll understand why it's important um, to everybody, not just thyroid people, um, everybody in our families, everybody that we love, and especially people that are struggling with um, weight loss issues and obesity and other problems. So leptin is... not too often talked about hormone in our body. We hear about thyroid hormone. We hear about estrogen, testosterone, adrenaline, cortisol, but not too many people talk about leptin. But leptin is produced by our fat cells. So that's even something to think about, the fact that our fat cells actually do more than just have fat in them. They actually produce this hormone hormone. And the hormone leptin tells your brain if you should be hungry, if you should eat, if you should make more fat, or if maybe it's time for the body to engage in maintenance or repair. Leptin tells your brain how much energy you have available, what you should do with it. So along with thyroid hormone, Leptin is really important. It's it's at the top of the food chain as far as metabolic importance. And adiponectin, another part of the system, adiponectin is a protein. And <clears throat> excuse me, it's involved in regulating glucose levels, fatty acid breakdown, and it modulates glucose regulation and fatty acid oxygenation. So... If your adiponectin levels are off, or if they're off in conjunction with your leptin hormone, it can result in type 2 diabetes, obesity, atherosclerosis, which can lead to heart disease, heart attack, strokes, um, fatty liver disease, and metabolic syndrome. So I'm sure you can see how this all applies to many of us. And Raina is actually going to tie the leptin and the adiponectin into some important information about what happens during certain aspects of starvation. Thank you, Kimberly. Um, Basically, um, what I have witnessed for the last 30 years in what I do for a living is people trying to lose weight. And these are healthy individuals, not just people with thyroid disease. So I want everyone to understand that what we're going to explain is something that happens to anyone and everyone, regardless of their health status, and that is affected by the process of starvation. So let's say somebody is not eating enough daily calories for the day, or their intake of their micronutrients, whether it be protein, fat, or carbohydrates, are also lower than what their body needs in order to function the body's going to go into what's called a survival mode because they're in starvation. So what will happen is, is the body will actually respond as if it's being threatened. And what will start to happen is the body will start to slow down. And this can actually reduce the amount of thyroid hormone that's actually being produced. And this is exactly how it happens. We have something called the thyroid-stimulating hormone, and it is produced in the hypothalamus, and this controls the release of your thyroid-stimulating hormone. So the thyroid-stimulating hormone responds to the receptors on the thyroid to promote the release of your thyroid hormone T4 and T3. Then it further metabolizes from your T4 into either active T3 or your inactive reverse T3. So basically, when the body goes into starvation, it sends a signal to the thyroid-releasing hormone, and it actually increases it. And then it causes the thyroid-stimulating hormone to increase and then causes your T4 and your T3 to decrease. So basically, starvation appears to suppress the thyroid-releasing hormone Increase thyroid stimulating hormone, and slow down the, the process of converting T4 to T3, and can cause a combination of hypothyroid, obesity, central central hypothyroidism, and metabolic disease and type two diabetes. So starvation is something that we really don't want to do. So if you're taking in too little carbohydrates. Little protein, two little good fat, or a total of two little calories. you could actually be setting yourself up for increasing weight and hypothyroidism so basically, these signals go to the brain and it actually causes um the leptin to um decrease, and that increases your appetite, slows down your energy changes the way that your thyroid is working, and it actually causes the body to suppress the thyroid and increase the stress in your body. And then Kimberly is now going to explain how this happens with certain types of habitual eating.
1: So Rachel, just gave a really good Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> habitual eating, ooh, that's... That's a good one. Yeah.
0: Okay. Good. Go, go for it. Go for it, Kimberly. The solution to this is that we all just need to, to, well, I was going to say stop eating, but that's not really true because then we're going to end up right where Raina just said. But anyway, right. this really, this really is a complex situation, and it's, it's unfortunate that eating has become so complicated in our world. Um, I'm sure many of the people listening here today realize that what we're, you know, you can walk through any grocery store today and, and just up and down the aisles and realize that what you're looking at and what the average person's putting in their cart is not real food at all. It's processed, it's packaged. Who knows what it went through to get from its original source into the package that someone might pull off the shelf? And who knows what the original source was even anymore? Um it, it's an unfortunate right, and it can, reality. It can go
2: through, food can go through so much stuff without even being on the label that we don't that we're not even privy to. You know, chemicals and different isn't, things that don't even make it to the label, which is even scarier.
0: Isn't that true? Our the latest um news recently with the uh, gluten free Cheerios is a very good example of that.
2: Yes yes it is. Yes it is, <laughs>
0: The the gluten free Cheerios that weren't gluten free.
2: So how do you right. um, It reminds me of pyrophosphate in tuna. That's a personal thing for me was pyrophosphate finding out that there was pyrophosphate that was used in the processing of tuna. So even though on tuna it'll say, you know, tuna and, you know, hopefully sea salt and those are the only two ingredients that you see. <laughs> pyrophosphate is used in the chemical conditioning of the fish, which I actually was having really severe reactions to, trying to figure out what the heck was wrong with the tuna. I could eat a tuna steak but I couldn't eat tuna from the can. Mm. It, very, it was very interesting. Wow. So I, that's a huge thing for me. So keep going on your food. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail you. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll zip it. So Someone give me duck taste. We cut <laughs> them. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked a little bit about what
0: leptin is, and Raina talked about um, what can happen with the leptin and the thyroid hormone levels if the body is put into starvation or survival mode. But how do we become leptin-resistant is probably what everybody's asking. And, you know, how do we get that way? Am I leptin-resistant? And, by the way, if... You have not been tested for leptin resistance. It's a very simple test. You can get it done when you get your regular lab work done, and it literally is called a leptin resistance test. So you can just ask your doctor to include that
2: in your labs. Now, but is there a range? Leptin resistance, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll write it down here. It's a range.
0: Yeah, no, that's okay. There is a range. You know, because range. range range, of course,
2: range vary exactly. All kinds of lab work. We know that you know it's just it's so enormous. Is there a target range that you and and Reina have found out that is best for for most people? You know, I.
0: I have seen so many different tests, and the ranges are anything from down in the low single digit numbers up into the hundreds that I really don't think it would be fair to say
2: in a, right. in it's a like big the audience, IGA, like
0: right? <laughs> yeah, it really is. And yeah. it also depends. Something that we don't think about is when you go get tested, for example, when we go get our thyroid panel done, it's not just thyroid patients that are getting thyroid tests run. It's people that don't have thyroid disease. So those ranges are not just people that have the medical condition. It's people that don't. And that's why the ranges vary so much from location to location, region to region, lab to lab. It really and, all depends and how about-
2: on the people. Kimberly, I'm sorry, how about, say, for example, so many things that you're talking about uh, that revolve with leptin and leptin resistance also are, like you talked about, glucose intolerance, but adrenal issues as well. Do you find that um, that will alter leptin levels as well? That, That puts a whole different target range for a person, correct? Absolutely.
0: And sometimes when that's getting tested, the adrenals aren't getting tested, and so that's an important factor because the adrenals alone can be a cause of the leptin resistance. So it's really exactly. important to to test both of those. And Raina has some really good information about the yeah. impact on leptin resistance and adrenals. Yeah. Basically, what happens is is once you are in that starvation mode, or when those those levels of leptin are are being uh, decreased. It's actually the cortisol and the insulin that's affected after the thyroid. So that doesn't happen first. It's once you go from the survival mode, it turns off the thyroid axis and it it activates the stress axis. That's when the insulin levels and the cortisol levels start to actually become problematic and not before. So it's not the cortisol that's actually causing the leptin resistance. It's really the other way around. So that's the process of it. So that's what everybody needs to understand. It's, it's a chain reaction. So you have to look at is how this actually starts. And you need to look really well at are you starving your body, whether you're starving it with total calories or if you're starving it with the lack of nutrition. And that's where leptin resistance actually starts, if you want to really keep it, at a simple uh in a simple little box,
2: okay. and that's my gosh and that's a show for a whole nother day, just explaining the <laughs> yeah. difference between nutrient dense caloric intake and you know just calorie well, wasting you know' I'm gonna, I'm gonna a, get that's such that a great a point. Little,
0: I'm gonna get into that a little bit with the exercise part after Kimberly finishes here, so I will discuss okay. that a bit more, okay, yeah. Um, Raina just made a really good point, too. I don't know if anybody really caught that. But as she was explaining that the adrenal and the cortisol reaction comes after the fact, that's a very simple natural behavior for our body. That goes right back to that fight-or-flight syndrome that our body has been designed for. But what happens is when this cycle is set up and we get to that point of reaction, we're having that fight-or-flight response to something that, number one, we've created by doing something harmful to our body, and we put our body in a position where it feels like it needs to protect us. And our job is to nurture our bodies, not to put them in a position where they feel like they have to protect us. You know, that's for the lions and tigers and bears that want to come attack us, and we feel like we have to run and go protect ourselves. That's what that was set up for. Not, we're not We shouldn't be protecting ourselves from ourselves. Right. By eating bad, so Kimberly, why don't you talk about why don't you talk about the the nutrients, like the amounts of sugar and the types of sugars, and so on and so forth, that can actually increase this leptin resistance? Exactly. So becoming leptin resistant usually it it happens in a couple of different ways. Reina already mentioned one, which is the starvation. Another is if the body has a continuous high level of exposure to the hormone. So, if you have a continuous high level of exposure to leptin, you become resistant to it. So, finding out what's triggering the excess leptin production is really important. And that comes back to common sense, diets that are too high in sugar, too high in grains, and I know that that's something a lot of people don't understand, but most of our grains today are so processed that once we break them down, they turn into glucose. In our bloodstream, so too many grains is also just as harmful as too much sugar. processed foods, starvation diets, like Raina mentioned, and what happens is the sugar gets metabolized into your fat cells, and the fat releases surgeon of surges of leptin and Over time, your body becomes resistant and it quits talking to your brain, so the message that you are not hungry gets cut off and your brain is no longer getting that message that you are hungry or that you shouldn't be hungry excuse me this is the same thing that happens when the body is exposed to too much leptin it becomes resistant as if our body is uh, exposed to too much insulin and people start having trouble with their I'm sorry I've got something stuck in my throat with their um, insulin levels. So, to reestablish a proper, proper leptin and also insulin levels, signaling it is to prevent those surges, and the only way to do that is usually with your diet and exercise. Diet can have a profound effect on the health more than anything known, uh, other kinds of medical treatment or other kinds of medications.
2: So can you guys rain hear you the rain, actually... Raina Elizabeth? Can you <laughs> yes. hear the the rain? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rain. Yeah.
1: We're yeah. that's my rain. I was trying to hide it. I was. I was. Uh... I'm about to get under the covers here, people. Sorry. <laughs> She's in the rain. <laughs> you no, know, it's funny. I have to interrupt you because you know I'm I'm reading and I'm learning about marketing and podcasts, and they're talking about how important it is to have professional microphones and. And uh, noise reducing, you know, speakers and headphones and all this thing. And I'm thinking, well, that's all well and good, and, and that sounds perfect in a perfect world. But I live in Costa Rica, and that's just the way it is. I, I don't know. I don't know how
2: to fix it. But I said sorry. I said, can you hear that static? I said, can you hear that static? And she said, no, it's my rain. I thought, oh, my oh. God.
0: I I thought the same thing. I'm moving my my phone around, and I'm like,
2: huh. Oh. Me too. I wanted <laughs> to
0: I wanted I wanted to reiterate something that Kimberly was talking about with the, with the nutrition and the sugar. I, I wanted to be very clear that people understand that leptin resistance can happen with food, especially sugar, is if there's two things too little and too much. And that includes all kinds of sugar, all kinds of carbohydrates, whether it be complex carbohydrates, whether it be uh, simple carbohydrates um, like your fruits and so on and so forth. So you need to understand that when, when Kimberly is going to talk about nutrition, she's going to talk about more of a balance rather than an extreme in one direction or the other because uh, again, balance is what's going to balance the leptin levels, have the right kind of leptin levels, have the the signaling that needs to get to the brain. If there's too much or too little carbohydrates, it's going to alter the way that signaling happens within the central nervous system. Is that correct, Kimberly? That's absolutely correct. And that sort of leads me into the next thing that I was going to bring up, and that is if you do have leptin resistance, is it reversible, and if so, how do you reverse it? And the answer to that is yes. It absolutely is reversible. And it's not that hard to do, especially for those of us with thyroid disease, because we're probably already very aware of our diet, and the answer to how you reduce it is the simple answer is diet and exercise. So what does that really look like? There are some general rules of thumb when you're working on diet to reverse leptin resistance. And those would be avoiding processed sugar and even limiting healthy sugars, things like honey and maple syrup um, and sugars such as fructose that's going to come from your fruit, but especially more dense levels of sugar like the processed sugar and also, as I mentioned earlier, grains and, of course, processed foods. So the body turns all of those things into sugar that stimulates the leptin production, and starts this whole cycle that we've been talking about. Another thing that you want to do is replace the sugar, the processed sugars and so forth that you're taking out and the carbs that you're taking out from grains with low to no sugar type carbs. There's different kinds of vegetables that you can include. We could pull up a list you know, on the Internet, easy for that. But all vegetables have uh, carbohydrates in them. And what you want to do is include the ones in your diet, mostly the ones that are green, lots of green leafy vegetables, and the things that are lower in natural carbohydrates and sugars but give you the kind of breakdown that you need versus things that are more dense, such as eating carrots all the time every day or sweet potatoes all the time every day. Those things are very, very good for you, and they do provide a necessary amount of carbohydrates and sugars. But there's such a thing as too much of a good thing. Mm-hmm. You also want to stick with low to moderate protein intake. And one of the most important things, and this seems so contrary to weight loss, is to include really high amounts or a reasonable amounts of quality, healthy fat, especially during mm-hmm. the reversal process you can lower the amount of fats that you're eating once the leptin resistance levels are back in a normal range. So what that really looks like if you're trying to figure out is if you were looking at your dinner plate and what was going to be on it, you would want about 50% of that plate to be made up of vegetables. So half of your plate would include a big tossed grain salad, maybe some sauteed asparagus, and 50% of that plate is going to be filled up with natural carbohydrates that are going to break down into sugar in your system that are not going to stimulate leptin-resistant. The rest of your plate, 30% of it should be the high-quality proteins, um, good fishes, meats, chicken depending on what your eating preferences are, even different kinds of legumes and beans, if those are okay for your dietary patterns right now. But 30% of the plate should be protein. And the final section of your plate, and this is really, really important, is the fat, 20% healthy fat. That should come from avocados, from coconut oil, from olive oil, from avocado oil, and even if you're eating, like, good grass, <coughs> excuse me, grass-fed grass beef or um pastured chicken or pastured pork the fats in those the animal fats in those are actually healthy fats and can be concluded in the 20% of the healthy fat category
2: That's great you know, okay. That's amazing. You know, it's funny, Kimberly, we talk about leptin resistance and thyroid disorders, but that's a really general good way of eating for everybody. I remember, you know, I was diagnosed with diabetes at 19, and I've been a food controlled. And the diet that I was taught at that time, and, and, uh, you know, it's funny because it's, and I remember her, her telling me, you know, it's just a great way of eating for everybody. Everybody, that particular type of eating really applies to is a is a healthy diet, wouldn't you agree?
0: Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. And you notice, you know, a, a plate full of vegetables and protein and healthy fat. None of those came out of a box or a colored package. That's just all real food. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love uh, Sean Cruxton how he says just eat you know jerk Just eat, just real, eat food. real food. Jerf. Just eat real food. Just eat real food. Yep. <laughs> I have a jerky jerk.
0: <laughs> do you really?
2: I do. Have you seen it? I have not. Uh, maybe I need to get one. I love that. It would love it. if It would say. Yeah, I'm I a need jerk. to get one You know, like a I'm, a jerk, I'm a jerk, but I'm a jerf. I love it. It
0: says J right across the the um, the bus. It says J E R F. And that's all oh, the shirt says. It. So, of course, everybody asks you, what is jerk? And you get to tell them, just eat that's real awesome. food and start the conversation.
2: <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's just a great, I just love that. You need to take a picture. <laughs> take a picture in your shirt. Yeah, take a picture. <laughs> Please, I love that. <laughs> okay, I'm quiet now. So.
0: Eating, of course, is a huge part of reversing leptin resistance, but exercise has an equal role in that, and that's Raina's area of expertise. So she was going to talk to you about exercising to reverse leptin resistance. Okay. Perfect. This this has been very, very cool for me because I've been doing this a long time. I've been doing this for 30 years. And one of the things that I started to do about 30 years ago when I went into personal training was I would get people who would commit to three times a week. I would have an hour of their time. And within that hour I would probably get really good 45 minutes out of them by the time they got into the gym and got their heads together. So I had to come up with a way to try to figure out how I was going to get a combination of cardio and strength training in 45 minutes to an hour because I know these people are not exercising unless I'm standing in front of them. And that's pretty sad. (laughs) It really is. So what I started to do 30, 30 years ago was something called circuit training. And this is where the heart rate goes up and down for 45 to 50 minutes in combination of doing some kind of cardiovascular activity and some strength training. And what's great about this kind of training is that anyone at any age, in any condition can do it because it can be modified for that individual. So ironically, when I started to research leptin and so on and so forth and how this could be reversed with exercise, I was absolutely ecstatic to find out that i have been doing something right for 30 years. <laughs> <The> <laughs> Levels. I know it's really cool when that happens. It's like a flower field moment.
2: <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's exactly so, what that is. That's a perfect definition, Reina. That's what that is. That aha it moment. Is like you know an epiphany. So
0: basically, <laughs> basically, first of all, what we want to do is we want to basically speed up our metabolism. Okay. And one of the ways to do that is to increase your lean body mass and um, strength training. But it has to do with the heart rate and decreasing your actual um, appetite, which means that we're actually changing the way that the leptin is signaling the, the brain. So what they found through research is, and, and this is going to sound really crazy for a lot of people with hypothyroidism, so just kind of stay with me for a moment. This is research. This isn't reality. I'll give you the reality afterwards. 105 minutes of treadmill, whether it be walking or running, at the person's 50% of their maximum attainable heart rate, and then 15 minutes at 70% of their maximum attainable heart rate, had a reduction of appetite and a reduction in gremlin. And gremlin is the hormone that's not a, not a good hormone. That's your hungry hormone. That's the one that actually increases your age. So they're saying that, yeah, it's true. I call them gremlins, not gremlin, actually. <laughs> I'm laughing because we went through how to pronounce this correctly the other
2: day. <laughs>
0: I think gremlin, and, and I think it's a gremlin hormone. That's what it is.
2: I love that. Yeah.
0: So basically the the main important thing about this is, is intensity. So the intensity needs to go up and down and up and down. And they're saying the longer duration. So anywhere between an hour to an hour and a half of exercise. Now, here's where it comes in um with thyroid patients. I know that a lot of thyroid patients find it very difficult to get out of bed or get off the sofa. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain this very simply. Intensity is relative to the individual. So 50% of a maximal attainable heart rate for someone who's very fit is going to be a given intensity. And 50% of a maximal attainable heart rate of someone who isn't fit is going to be a different intensity. So that's why it could be changed for everyone. So it's... You wanted to, for instance. You go out for a walk and you do 20 minutes, 30 minutes, or whatever. But every five minutes you stop. You stop walking. And you do something like standing squats and pushing your arms over your head. And you do that for a minute. And then you start walking again for a few minutes. So the idea is to combine the resistance training with the cardiovascular so that your heart rate goes up and down somewhere between 50 and 70% of your maximal attainable heart rate. So with someone with thyroid disease, we could start off by doing that 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, and progressively increase the duration and eventually increase the intensity as you become more and more fit. What this does is it actually creates what they call a chronically low leptin level. There is no increase, there is no decrease. It kind of stabilizes, and so therefore the signaling to the brain remains consistent. It will decrease your appetite naturally without you even trying to do so. Does
1: that make sense? Yay. Yes? Yes? flower moment, flower
2: field moment. And there, it's so important to get a proper assessment, too, because loss of appetite doesn't necessarily mean that you have low leptin levels. That can be, you know, other health problems. So it's super important to, you know, like Kimberly, and, and I know you. that's a huge thing for you too, Raina, is making sure that everything has been tested properly so that you know, you know, where a lot of these symptoms are, are coming from. What
0: symptoms are you talking about?
2: Well, I mean uh, well a lot of, there's different things with, with leptin like like you said with appetite. But with people with low cortisol levels they can have very low appetite levels and you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that their leptin is one way or another, is my point. That's you know, I don't want anyone to associate okay. appetite Again, directly so, with leptin was my point. I'm not saying it right, I, I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: you are. But but think that. Think that. Remember, the cortisol is not altered until the thyroid axis has been altered. So it's not an initiator. It is actually it's actually a side effect of something else.
2: So you're saying that okay. that would be applicable to everybody?
0: Um, it would because you can think about it as other health conditions. Okay, we have what's called non-thyroid illness or you to sick. People who have altered thyroid function because there's something else going on, they don't actually have thyroid disease. So we can have another health condition that can be actually altering thyroid function and then because of that can alter your leptin levels or then your cortisol levels. Does that make sense?
2: Okay, so you're saying leptin levels would be altered in people that have non thyroidal illness, is what you're That's saying? That's correct. That, that yes, I am. The, so the loss of appetite yeah. is yeah. related with leptin levels?
0: Yes. But there's actually, it would be um, if your cortisol is low, then yes, you would. Like have, me. Like me. Like me. <laughs> yes. You would have less less appetite, but then what happens is, think about it, you're actually going into starvation mode. You're decreasing the amount of calories. You're already in the energy deficit. Your body is already pulling back. Where is that coming from? It's not coming from the cortisol. It's that body's reaction, that starvation reaction. So there's something else that's going on that's actually causing the thyroid slow down. When that thyroid slows down, your energy slows down. Your energy slows down, your appetite is going to slow down. Does that make sense?
2: Yes. So you're saying that somebody with Addison's disease would have a, a leptin issue?
0: Yes. Any anything anything that alters thyroid function, any other disease, any other habitual habit, anything that will change the way that the thyroid is working. So like we have people that come on to our support page and when you analyze their labs, you're looking at them and you hear all their symptoms and you're looking at their thyroid levels and you're saying, hmm, it doesn't look like you have thyroid disease, but you may have something going on, okay? Right,
2: in a subclinical. So, right.
0: Yeah, so there's something else clinical going on. There's That's why when Kimberly started off the interview, she said anybody can have doesn't have to be anybody with thyroid disease. Anybody. Anybody. Any situation can cause this. Anything. And Can I piggyback on that for just a little bit? Sure. I think that it's really important. This literally can be everybody. We have, um, as I'm sure people hear all the time in the news and and maybe are even experiencing this with uh, loved ones in their personal life, we have a whole generation of young people that are suffering from diabetes, and leptin resistance and insulin resistance go hand-in-hand together. Um, A lot of times people are leptin-resistant before they're insulin-resistant, and therefore if it's caught early on and treated properly and reversed, we can be avoiding diabetes and all these other medical problems from it. So this isn't just thyroid patients. This is anyone.
2: And I, I imagine for, for young girls, uh, you know, maybe uh, Raina and Kimberly could uh, eating disorders like bipolar, or not bipolar, excuse me, <laughs> bulimia, yeah. anorexia, yeah. can yeah. be <laughs> uh, precursors to leptin resistance and leptin issues, right? So that's, that starts in, you know, the teen years, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm that not... goes, speaks exactly to what Raina was talking about. And, and I'm sorry, Raina, I didn't mean to step no. on you, but putting that the body in that starvation mode um, go ahead, Raina. I'm, you were going to no, say something about it. Yeah. It's, that's that's actually, to be honest with you, when you're talking about anorexia, bulimia, exercise bulimia, um, that issue actually is a, a psychological mental issue. And um, I'm not trained to work with those individuals. They don't have a... They ha- they don't have an eating disorder that causes their psychological uh, mental out- outlook. It's the other way around. They have a mental uh, issue that's actually causing the eating disorder. So I've worked with a couple of people like that, and I've had to turn them over to uh, a mental health professional. Okay? So that's a whole other subject altogether. But, yes. They do go into starvation, and unfortunately what happens there is uh, these girls don't necessarily wind up being obese. They wound up actually being in this constant state of starvation to where they break down muscle tissue um, to the point where they're just skin and bones. So it's a whole entirely other taken-to-the-next-level
2: scenario. Right, but it would inevitably cause a leptin issue
0: yeah it would and and then it would escalate into um
2: a much more dire situation right much and it's more. not it's not always a psychological precursor it can also be a physical precursor to that it's not just a it's not just exclusive to mental disorders um
0: that that has been my experience so that's all i can speak to as far as that's concerned my 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 professional experience and my training, so that's all I can. Well, and I would know. Are and there any? Of,
2: oh, sorry. Go ahead. So, I'm sorry. No, no. I was going to say, are there any particular uh, symptoms, like cravings, or things that are usually uh, fairly common in leptin disorders?
0: Okay, let me let me talk about this for a little bit, and maybe this will be helpful. Okay. Um, fat cells, which is where the leptin is produced, we are all born with a certain amount of fat cells. And we're going to talk a little bit about the cravings and the set point theory. So with leptin resistance, what starts to happen is you do crave more food. And what happens is is the fat cells actually increase in size, which then is part of what causes the signaling to get turned off and the obesity To ensue. And the people that are actually in the starvation mode are actually trying to lose weight and they're actually shrinking their fat cells. And in some cases, what happens is the fat cells shrink below the normal size for their individual bodies. And it sets off this whole thing with cravings for the body to get back to its natural state and that fat cells get to a natural size for that individual person. So what happens is, is the body actually shows where that person's weight should be, and when you change it, when you don't eat enough, and when you starve yourself or you don't take enough complex in and you shrink your body weight down to a size that's not supposed to be, the body's going to work in opposition with what you're trying to do, and it's going to actually increase leptin levels, increase your cravings for more food so that you become more hungry and you start to eat more so those fat cells can increase in size. So this is what happens when people actually lose a lot of weight and then all of a sudden they put the weight back on. So there's this yo-yo effect that starts to happen. So you have to understand that... There's a couple of ways that leptin can work within the body. It's very complicated. You have a straightforward, go into starvation, da-da-da-da-da, or you overeat all the time and you create that leptin resistance, or you eat all the wrong foods and you create that leptin resistance. The most important thing that people need to understand, it's not so much about being leptin-resistant, it's it's about preventing it and understanding how to prevent it. And if you are there, how to return yourself back. It, it's really rather simple. So the craving could be anything. It could be fat. It could be carbohydrates. It could be sugar. It could be anything. Anything. Would you agree, Kimberly? Um, Yeah, I do, and I think that something else that's interesting when Rayna was talking about the the fat cells is as people do this yo-yo dieting back and forth and up and down, the fat cells, just like like our skin, if we gain weight and lose weight, the elasticity and the collagen breaks down in our skin, the same thing happens to our fat cells. So the yo-yo dieting breaks down the elasticity in our fat cell itself and therefore it makes it much easier for it to fill up and to gain weight back again each time we go through this yo-yo cycle.
2: Hmm, That's a great example. That's That's interesting, That's a great example.
0: So it's it's kind of very simple. I mean, when you look at your plate, like Kimberly was saying, you take your plate and you break it into uh, four sections. Um, You want to make sure that you're having enough of your um, I call them fiber carbohydrates, which are your salads and your vegetables and so on and so forth. And the reason why I, I call them the fiber is because they are basically you consume them to help you uh, digest your food and um, eliminate your food. They do not get stored truly as energy, okay? It's the complex carbohydrates that, that actually have to go through a process of breaking down that actually get stored as energy. So... When you are in leptin resistance, and basically Kimberly was saying, this is how you start to reverse yourself. You're eating 50% of your plate is coming from those fiber carbohydrates, which are going to be primarily your green leafy vegetables, your salad, and so on and so forth. And then the rest is coming from good sources of protein and good sources of fat. When you start to balance out, um, and start to notice that you're starting to lose a little weight, you need to start implementing some of those more dense low glycemic index types of carbohydrates um for instance, some brown rice some sweet potatoes and so on and so forth because what's going to have to happen is that you have to balance your diet a bit better. A lot of the leptin resistance also happens from improper dieting like the ketogenic diet, okay someone who's eaten practically no carbohydrates whatsoever, that's going to be very close to a starvation diet. So you have to let those things back into your diet very, very slowly and let your body's leptin levels and insulin levels start to kind of like balance out very slowly. You can't put them in very quickly. And at that point, if you start to increase your movement, uh, by implementing some exercise, you're going to balance out um, the energy deficit with your in- energy intake. And it's going to help with the weight loss over a period of time. So now the next thing I want everyone to understand also is with thyroid disease, and this is important. That makes it that much harder for us to lose the weight. For someone who doesn't have thyroid disease and don't have issues with their thyroid, they may lose weight faster by doing this. If our levels are not optimal in addition to doing this, we will not lose weight. So it's very, very, very important that we're also looking at our labs, making sure that we're medicated at the right doses and so on and so forth, because that's part of the process for thyroid disease
2: and also eating enough wouldn't you uh, wouldn't you both oh, agree that they did a study recently that i read 500 calories uh for a hypothyroid and they actually were gaining uh were oh, gaining absolutely. weight so not eating enough is is a huge problem absolutely. like you said it's the starvation hormone and absolutely. and i think I think we all probably see that quite a bit where people just aren't eating enough because they want to lose weight, so they think if I restrict food, and, of course, that encourages the leptin resistance like you're talking about, and then they end up holding on to weight rather than actually losing it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely 100% correct. People just don't understand what the basal metabolic rate is for someone who's sitting and doing nothing, and then someone who's doing a little bit of light activity. Because as you start to increase that activity, you're going to have to start to increase your caloric intake. Reason? You're putting on some muscle. Muscle expends more energy at rest than fat does. So this is the other reason why combining the cardiovascular activity with resistance training is very, very important. A couple other things that I think we've sort of talked around today but not really been um, specific about is uh, with thyroid patients, weight loss is usually a big issue. And some of the things that Raina has been explaining, there's an underlying tone there to things that um, a lot of people really try to go on very low-carb diets to lose weight or ketogenic diets to lose weight or even a lot of the different products that are out there, take this pill, drink this shake, all of those things fall into the same category we're talking about that can create that leptin-resistant cycle um, and can actually cause it. Somebody can be actually fine and go on a low-carb or a ketogenic (laughs) diet and become leptin-resistant simply because of trying to fuel their body that way and creating uh, this dynamic in this cycle.
2: That's a great point. Now, just real quick, lack of sleep and high stress levels, those can also – I mean, I know we're talking about diet and exercise, which is, you know, the probably the fundamental um, – yeah, lost, lost that word. It just went <laughs>
0: – well, the basis I, <laughs> of
2: leptin resistance. But stress and lack of sleep can also uh, encourage those, right?
0: Absolutely. Because you have to look at, again, anything that alters thyroid function – is going to energize or I should say activate the stress levels. And so therefore lack of sleep, too much stress in their life, um, not eating right, um, all kinds of things. So like I said, anything can actually cause leptin resistance that's going to increase your stress level. Yes. Anything. So all that's now are there, to make sure that they're doing that. I'm sorry. Go on.
2: <laughs> no, no, Kimberly, I was going to say I know that you guys have done so much study and there's so much information. Is there an eating regimen per se? We've talked about what the plate should look like. Is there an eating regimen, you know, every couple of hours or, you know, staying away from before um, bedtime? Do you guys, Have you guys no. found that there's, you know, avoiding certain foods, anything no. that's really a, a fundamental yeah. premise to, to avoid? or to do well,
0: actually i have a couple of basic and and these don't apply to necessarily everybody but they're a foundational place to start sort of sure, sure about yeah trying to reduce following or reducing your leptin diet type of thing um one is to never eat after dinner two is to eat three meals a day and try not to snack because that snacking takes away from the consistency of the blood sugar levels, and if those meals are sufficient. And this is different in terms, of, especially with the people that Raina works with and how they're working out, but this is your average person that doesn't, maybe doesn't expend as much energy. trying to stick to three meals a day. Don't eat large meals. Eat a good breakfast that contains protein and definitely reduce the amount of carbohydrates that you're eating. And that's if
2: they're over
0: the 40 to 50 mark. See, everyone's taking that term and they think, oh, well, i got to eat low, low carbs." Thank Don't you so to- much. That's no. exactly
2: what was going through my head. <laughs> oh. Not uh, too, too much, much, not enough, me, right? Me
0: too. No, no we me need too. to make sure that our total calories are are... what our energy level is through the day and through those total calories, 40 to 50% of your total calories need to be coming from carbohydrates. So if you're eating 2,000 calories a day, do the math, multiply it by 40 to 50%, that's how many calories of carbs you should be taking in, good carbs, that you should be taking in a day. And yeah. there are there are things that can actually
1: increase
0: your uh, good hormones for insulin resistance and for leptin resistance. And um, avocados, olive oil, dark chocolate, pumpkin seeds, fish oil are all things that you can add to your diet that will help with those things. But it, so I hear a lot of omega three foods in there. Yes, is, is fish, that? Yes. I hear
2: a lot of omega three foods in there
0: monounsaturated fat versus believe it or not saturated fat even though saturated fats are in your your lean protein adding more monounsaturated fats like through the mediterranean diet is what's going to actually help those leptin resistant and insulin resistance issues
2: yes all right
0: in fact fat is the only micronutrient that does not raise your sugar levels
2: Protein does, and so does carbohydrates. Fat, good fat does not. Right, and, and very much as a diabetic, you know, you can get to low blood sugars by eating too much protein and not enough carbohydrates. You can get to low that's blood correct. sugars by carb loading and eating too much carbohydrates and not that's enough correct. protein. There's such a, such a beautiful that's, that's, balance in there. I love that word, balance, balance, balance. balance. It's something that, that we've gotten balanced. so far away from.
0: Right, and I think that, that a lot of people are misunderstanding, you know, the the paleo diet in the sense that they think that means that you eat very very little carbs. In actuality, you really need to be paying attention to that, and you need to do the math. You need to make sure that you're taking in that 40 to 50 percent of your your foods coming from carbohydrate. And again, even though Kimberly mentioned the three day, three times a week exercise um, eating meals. Those who are exercising do need to snack in between meals, and they do need to make those snacks small versions of their meals. So there will be less than calories, but their balance should be the same. You should be taking in complex carbohydrates, sugar, fruits, protein, and good
2: fat. Right, and Kimberly mentioned the fat thing. I know for me... You know, it's kind of critical that I eat between meals; otherwise, it's too long of a stretch and my blood sugar drops too low. And it, it's worked right. for me. That's such an important uh, point to make. It worked for me to have snacks in between. Uh, but like, if I eat a very, you know, if I eat a small apple, uh, I'll have a one ounce piece of full fat cheese or something. I don't ever Absolutely. eat any type of fructose without a fat that that combines. Absolutely. And that has worked for me. That doesn't mean well, it's going to work for everybody else.
0: Well, that's your normal exercise uh, rule of thumb. To be honest with right. you,
2: is your snacks should consist of
0: uh, a fruit and a good fat. So I, I Oh, very thing. cool!
2: I didn't know that. Yes, <laughs> I do cheese.
0: Yep, mozzarella cheese and an apple is my snack twice a day, <laughs> in between breakfast and lunch lunch and dinner.
2: <laughs> we talk about an apple, but it's amazing for me. Like the size of the apple. You know, it's always a big joke with my husband and I because you know sometimes they'll have the gala apples that are, you know, they're not much bigger than the palm of your hand. They're smaller, and then you have an apple that's, you know, this huge apple. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that apple is huge. You know, and it, that even that additional size in the apple will will change my you know my physiology significantly. Just that additional portion of the apple. It's almost silly, but <laughs> right. Well, you can look at it as
0: glycemic load.
2: You know, right, right, uh, of course.
0: Right, right, Right. even though the apple is 34 on the glycemic index, which is low in comparison to a banana, which is 100, the size of that apple and the amount that you're actually eating will affect your insulin and how it rises. But having that fat along with that slows down how that sugar enters your bloodstream. So that's a very important thing for people with um, insulin resistance is to make sure they're just not having their apples all by themselves.
2: Right, right, right. Fat is huge. Good fat is huge. Yep. Yep. I'm sorry, but I'm serious. (laughs) No, that's okay. It's such a, I mean, it's such a great, important topic, and I think it applies to to so many people, you know, and I think it really gets missed a lot, you know. I think
0: it's. It's also misunderstood. So I, I really, I really spent a lot of time with Kimberly on this, and we really did want to make it as 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 informative as we possibly could because we don't get to talk to our members like this all the time, and everything's in bits and pieces, and it gets very confusing. So we really wanted to take advantage of this situation.
1: I keep hearing a a chime. Is that this time? It's not me. Anybody else? No, it's not me. <laughs> i'm just hearing things
2: no this is such good information
0: and it it was a buddha gong
2: oh oh,
1: cool (laughs) cool (laughs) it sounded good i like it i believe it i'm a believer no this (laughs) is really such good information and not just for the people on your page which i know it's a great opportunity to help help those people, because you do get to only say little bits and pieces here and there, but it really is important. I mean, uh, Tiffany and I say balance, you know, of course, on every show, but for you guys to kind of spell it out for us a little bit, you know, as far as what your slate should look like and that kind of thing, it's just helpful to have, like, a starting point, because everybody is different. Everybody is different. So it's nice to have a starting place to just kind of look at, you know, like, some people can't do cheese. But for you guys, it works, right? So, you right. know, it's, just, well, uh, it's a good place to start with.
0: Like, avocado is a very good choice. Um, and there's, there's a lot of different things. But I think that the pull away from all of this, and, and I'm, I'm sure Kimberly will support me on this, the pull away, the gap, the, what everyone should really think about here is the most important thing. Make sure that you're taking in enough calories daily for your level of activity, and that means even no activity. You should not be taking in less than what your body needs. You need to make sure that you're getting 40 to 50% of your carbohydrates um, for your total calories. You need to make sure that you're getting about 30% from lean proteins and at least a minimum of 20% good fat. Um, I have my exercise people doing about 30% fat, so again... Those numbers need to change as you increase your exercise. Um, the next thing is is to make sure that you um, are not overeating, that the amount of food that you're taking in in one meal should not be an enormous amount because that's going to change how your brain receives that signal. okay? So overeating, undereating, all very important when it comes to leptin resistance.
2: And and they've shown actually uh, leptin associations with uh, cancer growth, particularly of melanoma, infertility, yes. bone health, yes. calcium absorption. So this yes. is something that that really should be addressed. Yeah, that's. It, this is such this a subject, subject that an hour and a half could not even no touch. No, I I so, agree. Because it's yeah. somewhat confusing. I have to admit, you know, um, you know, like you said, it's it's complex but yet simple you know and i think it's a you know i think the subject matter in and of itself is it seems very overwhelming you know what i mean
0: yeah well you touched base a little bit when you talked about an eating disorder or body your your body the way that you look at your body when people when women look in the mirror but let's just talk about that for one second I think that what really starts to happen here, whether it's someone with or without thyroid disease, you know, we look in the mirror and we don't look the way that we did when we were 20. This disease has taken our figures away and the way that we see ourselves. And the first thing that you do is, is, our metabolism is not working the way that it used to. So not only do you have leptin resistance possibly, but you've got a, a metabolic disorder that's changing the way that your body utilizes fuel. So you've already got one thing that's working against you. So the last thing you want to do is, is give it another reason to put weight on. So with people with thyroid disease should not be starving themselves, and they should not be taking in too little carbohydrates because all you're going to do is make matters worse.
2: Absolutely. that That's a flower field moment right there, mm-hmm. I think. That's for, the main... It is. Yeah.
0: That's, it's really important because you think, you look in the mirror, you don't fit into your clothes, so the first place your head goes is, I need to eat less calories, and I eat, need to eat, eat less carbs, and I need to exercise more. That's the worst thing you can do, the absolute worst thing.
2: Right, and for me, exercising was always, you know... Um, being in the gym was always so exhausting, and of course it was, uh, it became very negatively associated for me because I was exhausted, you know, when I lived. Of course, that was many, many years ago, but I I honestly have to admit there's such a mental association with exhaustion for me, um, you know, that it truly has become a a psychological issue. (laughs) I know that sounds so silly, but, you know, I don't know if anyone else you know, uh, goes through that same thing where there's, um, you know, and it's just because you haven't been taught right or, you know, have someone that, you know, would guide them, like, say, for example, you as Iward Trainer would do for that, you know, that specific condition. I imagine it would have been an entirely different, um, you know, association for me.
1: Oh, um, sure it would, Tiff. Oh, okay, that's Tiff. I was
0: trying to get the voice. I was like, is that Dan? He did Zumba. No, I'm just <laughs>
1: well, yeah, no, and and that's, that's, that's the thing, you know, I, I do associate that with, with fatigue and extreme exhaustion, and no one was really helping me or telling me, my doctor wasn't giving me any advice, and so at the same time, I associate, you know, exercise and, and that kind of thing with, you know, fatigue and exhaustion, I also love it, so I think the love for dance overtakes it, but I still understand what you're saying, Tiff.
0: Well, the funny part about it is is I've been thinking about this a lot because when I was researching leptin and I was researching how you reverse it with, you know, how you do with the eating and increasing the exercise, in the back of my mind I'm going, oh, my God, I don't know how many stories I hear on a daily basis of how exhausted and tired is adrenal fatigue. That is no place to be starting an exercise program, especially if you're trying to lose weight. So if you are in that place the best thing that you could possibly do is focus on the nutritional aspect of it and and do what Kimberly is talking about as far as making the necessarily changes through food while you're working on bringing your adrenals back into balance and resting and recuperating and getting your thyroid levels optimal. You don't start an exercise program in adrenal fatigue or with unoptimal thyroid you know, so you can work on fixing the leptin issues with nutrition alone. Start. Right.
2: And, Kimberly, do you have some some good takeaways that you want, some, some really critical points that you want people to take away from leptin resistance from today?
0: I think I agree with Raina that everybody needs to really assess where they are. This is a journey. Um, We're not going to get well. We're not going to deal with medical issues overnight. Leptin resistance isn't going to go away next week if it's something that you're (laughs) dealing with. (laughs) So you have to figure out where you are. If your thyroid numbers aren't optimal, that's probably your first focus. You know, if you're suffering tremendously from adrenal fatigue, you want to work at getting your adrenals relaxed and getting your cortisol levels balanced. The endocrine system is... (laughs) very, very intricate. So prioritizing where you should start working first and what your second and third steps are going to be. You can always change your diet. That's something you can do right off the bat, and that's definitely going to begin the process of not only healing your thyroid condition, but reversing leptin resistance. And then just like Raina said, when the time is right, when your adrenals can support it and your thyroid numbers are optimal, then you want to be able to step into your exercise program. Again, easing in at a rate that works for you until you can work up to an optimum level of exercise depending on how your body's responding to it. So I think everybody needs to love themselves and be patient with themselves, um, assess where you are and what you need. And if you're not sure, seek the help of a professional. You know, there's there's plenty of people out there that can help you figure out where you need to start
2: in this journey and how well, to help you progress along that path. In. Let's tie that yeah. in the thyroid healing journey, please, because there's so much information there that is so, so helpful. And so let's let's tie that in to you guys and Thyroid Healing Journey.
0: Uh, that's sweet. That's sweet, that's Tiffany. That's very sweet. Yeah, this page is really important to Kimberly and I and, and to our other administrators, um, Christine and uh, Donna and Stacy and Michael. Um, we've made it our mission to um, help our members empower themselves and educate themselves. We don't want anyone to be a follower. There isn't a one way to fix thyroid disease or heal thyroid disease. We're all individuals, but there is plenty of very good source information out there that you could read and um, empower yourself and find that actual journey that's the right journey for you. And we're all there to kind of help you find it. It's, a, it's it's a cool place, it's a
2: cool project It's a very it. cool place, and I love the spiritual support with it too just the the positivity and look forward to tomorrow and I, I just <laughs> i really enjoy I wish I could spend more time you know in there but it it's it's a wonderful, wonderful group, and you guys give so much information and even individualized information when people ask certain questions and when you can answer that and there's a lot there, thyroid healing journey on the Facebook group. Uh, so everybody make sure to to join that and where else can we find you guys and what what can you offer individual thyroid patients? Um,
0: I right have a, yeah I have a thyroid uh trainer Facebook page um, I'm not really doing anything with that other than giving information at this moment, but if if anyone wanted to reach out to me on an individual basis who wanted to start an exercise program, um, I definitely would love to help them in that direction.
1: What about you, Kimberly? How
0: about you, so I, I, <laughs> I
1: actively have
0: my own business. It's called Integrative Healing. I can't send you to my website right now because it's not only under construction; it's under major construction.
2: And you know how <laughs> that look is? Forward to the, that, right?
0: the job is never done when they predict it will be. So. Um, it will be there soon, but in the meantime, I do have a Facebook page called Integrative Healing, so you can just oh, search hey. for that on Facebook, and you can also email me. Um, I work with patients on a one-to-one basis, as as if, if you were going to hire a functional doctor or an integrative nutrition specialist to help you through your journey, whether it be leptin resistance, whether it be healing your thyroid. I do specialize in autoimmunity and thyroid. Um, Healing. So, if that's somebody's area of need, I would be a good person. And you could just send me an email at k.dancer56 at outlook.com, and I promise to get back to you.
2: Very, very cool. Well, you
1: guys, we were so excited to have you both on the show, and Raina's part of the uh, radio thyroid nation radio team and she's also been a co-host before and so it's so neat to have you on the other end thank
2: you so (laughs)
1: much for for jumping on and tackling leptin resistance it's it's a it's simple but complex and i think you guys did a great job and uh, i really appreciate you both coming on the show thank you thank you thank you
2: thank you and thank you so much for all the time that you guys put into the thyroid community and our community helping people feel better
0: Thank
1: you. I've got one thing to say. Namaste. Sure. <laughs> oh, love and light to you. Namaste. Love, there we love go. Love and light to you as well. Okay, Absolutely. guys. Absolutely. We'll see you soon. Thank bye. you. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a fabulous Sunday.
1: You too. Bye bye.
2: Oh my gosh! There's just not enough time in the show to get everything that you want to get out of these super smart people. Ooh, I know. And when you make like a five-hour show, it, people be sleeping. <laughs> they would
1: be sleeping. And but you know, it, it is such a complex topic, and it's funny because um, you know we feel like there's not enough time. But then if we had too much time, it would be so overwhelming. So I think they did a really good job, you know, kind of breaking do it down too. and 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 making it um you know easy to understand for for those of us in the layman's terms world that would be me so i thought I thought they did really great that was wonderful
2: I do too, I do too and it's 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 such a you know like Randy was saying it was complex, but there's some you know with the, the proper nutrition and the plate percentages and and eating properly and eating good foods and jerfing. Just yep, eating real dürfen, food, just eating real food, and, and exercising right. properly, and you got it down. So that's actually a simpler fix to a complex problem, um, you know, than people really think. It I is, think they is. were amazing. I wish we, I wish we'd had more time, but there's so much information. I did not know about Kimberly's Integrative Healing uh, Group. I did not know that. so to yeah. Go ahead and and join. Yeah. That's very cool because I, I love the information that she provides. Um, so that would be an awesome person to hire to help you on an individual thyroid basis. Absolutely. All right, what we got Absolutely. going on next week?
1: What do we have going on next week? We have Dr. Rita Marie Lascalzo. La Lascalzo. Yeah, that's we how you say so it. We are so bad at pronouncing names. I know. How did we get so bad? I thought I thought we were good in the beginning, and then we just lost it. Anyway, you can find you can find her at dr. dot uh, com, and she um, she's wonderful. I do know of her and of her work and about her. I just don't know how to say her last name. So she is going to be and really really great. And
2: she does a lot of does. blog talk. She does. She does. Yeah, she does. So she you does. can catch blog her on talk there radio. too. Yeah, amazing information. Yes, very much so. She covers some huge huge issues.
1: And thank you to you guys, our listeners. We really appreciate it. And um, we couldn't do this without you. And we do it for you. So I, we hope that it helps. And please please be sure to check out the Thyroid Thrivers um, page on thyroidnation.com. We would love to have your story. Kimberly just submitted hers. And it it's a very, very powerful story. You have to check it out. And we do that so that you can it can help support others. And um, reading others' journeys does make, make you feel better, it makes you feel not so, so alone. So we would love to have any listeners to send in their thyroid driver story. So,
2: well, and it's so amazing Excuse? to me when I read the thyroid stories, like how and I didn't I didn't catch Kimberly's. I actually went looking for it in the Thyroid Nation Thrivers, She's not there yet, but it's a, a recent submission, right? She's not. So, it's on Thyroid Travis Nation hasn't on put
1: your a little picture on there.
2: Yeah, okay. On the so, I'm going to go back and look for her story. Um very Mm -hmm. cool but it's what i love about the thriver stories is that everybody's is so different right there's there's just you know it it may look like we all ended up in this boat the same way but everybody's journey is so different so a lot of times there's a lot of comfort there or looking for things in the past or even particular triggers that you might have in common so love 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 the thriver stories (laughs) can't wait and we're gonna we're gonna (laughs) uh
1: can't wait to read yours either we're going to um I think we're gonna break it down. We're getting so many Thriver stories and it's wonderful. We love it. I think we're gonna break it down into sections and so that, you know, if you are suffering from Graves disease you could, you know, read some Graves' stories. Of course they're all there for you to read. But, you know, you kinda of wanna relate oh, that to that would those be cool and, and though so through something, you know, with you. So we're gonna have hypothyroid, Hashimoto's, Graves, thyroid cancer. We're gonna have them sectioned out here pretty soon so that you can kinda of that
2: would be very right cool. stories.
1: Yeah, so we're yeah, going to so do that here go pretty right soon. Because, yeah.
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I love yeah, that. Yeah, so we're going to do that.
1: And also, we are on iTunes. So check out Thyroid Nation Radio on iTunes. You can download all the episodes, every single one of them, or any particular one that you missed, or any of your favorites. So check us out on iTunes.
2: Very cool. Well, thank you as always to our amazing Thyroid Nation radio team. Raina, of course, today was was one of them. She's a huge source of information and support. This show just would not be possible without them. Uh, so make sure to check out their bios, Thriver Stories, Facebook support groups, their blogs, their website links at thyroidnation.com radio. So much amazing support and, and just extraordinary resources and uh, there, so you can read all about them on the uh, thyroidnation.com radio bios.
1: Yeah, and if you enjoy uh, listening to Tiffany and I every Sunday afternoon, please uh, <laughs> make sure to follow thyroidnation.com, and um, we we put all of our information for the shows on there, the radio page, and we have lots more resources, yoga, and, and like I said, the thyroid thrivers page. So please check us out at thyroidnation.com. We also have a Facebook group called Hoshies and Graves, uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Periscope, Pinterest—you name it, we're there. Check us out.
2: And I love seeing Dana on Periscope. She hasn't been periscoping in a while, but I can't wait because it's—I love the Southern accent and her face, and she's so personable. Uh-huh. And then you get you get an idea of of who who's doing the radio show. I love them. so. We need That's to see right. a Periscope. And, and Tiffany, <laughs>
1: and Tiffany, you're up. You're up next. Tiffany's got some great information.
2: My phone great information. contract she is our has ended is today. Up,
1: Yay! We're getting a new phone tomorrow, right?
2: I am. My my phone is holding on by a last leg. It's barely ringing, and oh my God.
1: I actually Uh, have this date on my calendar, you guys, so I am so (laughs) excited. So not only is it her son's birthday, happy birthday, Mike, but it is also the end of her contract, and we get get a new phone. Yay! So Tiffany will be doing lots of periscopes. Just wait. (laughs)
2: Yes, and a very, very happy birthday to my beautiful health baby and a miracle because I was never supposed to have children, and uh, he un- he unblocked something, man, because then it was like <laughs> they just kept coming yeah. every two years. That's I enough. know. I would That's love great. to know how many uh, children Kimberly has. Do you know how many? She said her fourth son. Does she have four yeah, all boys?
1: Yeah,
2: four. Oh, yeah. wow. Well, I how think they cool are all that?
1: boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so
2: she's nuts, too. Uh, It's a good company. Yes, she is. Good company today.
1: That's right. That's right. That's right. We
2: want to remind you all that wellness is a journey, and it's so important uh, to Dana and I that you guys have all of the information that's available. Some of it may apply, some of it may not, but it takes continual maintenance and evaluation uh, and very much reliant on your self-diagnostician. So make sure to always listen to your own body and be mindful of what it is telling you because it will tell you everything, won't it, Dana?
1: Yes, it will. If you just listen, and if you don't know how to listen, if you start reading and start paying attention, you'll learn, and uh, it does come naturally. Sometimes people just don't don't hear it because they're not sure. So, um, so just listen to your body. It will tell you. And also, we like to say on every show, I don't know if we said it exactly this way yet, but uh, the, no two people are alike and so no one protocol or method uh, or diet plan is is right for everybody. They're, everybody is different and so you may do really well on autoimmune paleo and you may not and and so it really just depends on your body, where your body has been and what it has been through and your journey so please get all the information, that's what I set up thyroidnation.com for to for to have all the information out there and for you to just kind of let it sit and resonate with you and and find uh, your path, so.
2: Filter through it, yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, right. Okay, guys, this is Dana, your Thyroid Nation, Gringotica from Costa Rica.
2: And Tiffany Milanich of GratefulGarden.biz.
1: Bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united, we heal. Thanks, guys.
2: Bye. Enjoy the Sunday.